Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. A little early for you, sir? Well, the first one was a little early. This is all right. <laughs> first one was early. This is a little better. Yeah. It's good. Good, good, good. So, our church uh, has been in partnership with Send Musicians for... It's at least 10 years, is it not? At least. Yeah. So in a 10-year span, a lot of these folks have come to the church for the first time and haven't been here for the origin story. Mm-hmm. And a lot, of, a lot of folks even have joined like since COVID and haven't heard what happened to and with Send Musicians during COVID. So let's get to the COVID thing later, but would you start, I guess, by telling our people... How this began? How did Send Musicians become a thing? How, how, was, how was this given birth to? Okay. Yeah. Um, it's a long story. In the spirit of time, we'll tell the Reader's Digest. Uh, good morning, first of all. Thanks for having us. It's great to be here with you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I got 100 versions of the story. <laughs> the short version is... Um, what you see here this morning is like 5% of what we do. And I say that because when Bert says, how did this happen? My past life, per se, I was an artist full time. It's all I did since I was a kid. And that journey led to record deals and publishing deals and tons of mistakes and tours. And 15 years ago, we're about to be 15 years ago, I was at the end of a tour and everything went sideways. I got a call from some lawyer one day that said, your record company went out of business, good luck. And I think I was such a narcissist at the time that I, was, I thought it was total devastation that I would lose a record deal. And you know, my glass ceiling was still this high. So the tour ended in LA. Everybody went home. I have a buddy from years of partying who got his life together and happened to call me one morning when I was on like a four day bender laying on a bathroom hotel floor in L.A. He called, and I had just prayed the prayer that if anybody's dealt with substance abuse, we've all prayed more than once, like, God, this is it. I'll never do this again. Just show me what to do. And my phone rang, and it was my friend Matthew, and he said he was on the way to play a prison, and he said, why don't you come with me? I was like, yo, let's go. And I walked into that prison, and it was everything you would hope doesn't happen as an artist. I'd just come off of a tour with full production, and I found myself in L.A. standing in a room with 300 gangsters with their arms crossed. And up until that moment, I thought I was tough. I was not tough. And there you are with two speakers, and let's see what you got. And that was the day my life changed. That's how this began. That's the short version. Is that a good first punt? That's a good, that's a good first, first take. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Can you guys hear Nathan okay? Everybody? Okay, cool. So, 300 gangsters, arms crossed, and it's just you and your piano. I mean, that sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> that does not sound fun at all. The adrenaline junkie in me loved it. Yeah. Like, I knew that day, I was like, I gotta do more of this. And I did. Yeah. I started calling everybody. Like, yo, I'll show up for free. And on the story began, until I burned out. But for five years, I just basically disappeared and played prisons. Yeah. And so we were, we joined in 
So Nathan and I have a friendship that goes back at least 30 years. We were kids at camp together, which is sort of an unlikely thing. Because on my best day, I've never been close to as cool as you. But somehow we stayed friends on the whole deal. And we've been, we've been able to stay friends. Seriously, it's like we have been friends for 30... Shut up. We've been friends for like 30 years. Yeah. They're supposed to go, no, Bert, you're at least as cool as he is. Getting no love. So, you know, we, our church joined in during that window of time, I think, when it was still just you going in. And then a band came and then came along. And then you, I think pretty quickly realized this is not scalable. Like you can't, you can't play every prison and this could be a bigger thing if you started getting other artists involved. Yeah, I mean there's a lot of parables here per se, like learning how to get out of the way, uh, accepting that certain dreams aren't gonna happen because there's a better dream that you can't see. And I'm not gonna say this in Long Island, but you know, at least I, what I know of Italians, we're a little thick-headed. We gotta learn everything three times. And even then, maybe. And it just took me a while. I think my spiritual life, uh, I would even go as far to say required a lot of wrestling. And you know, once you get a few ribs broken and your nose busted a few times, you're like, yo, maybe I should change my play. And yes, you know, in the sense of business, it was time for Nathan to get out of the way and starting, started to invite you, the artist, you, the artist. So I started going to friends that I had had in music for years, be like, hey, if I can get you into the back of a prison, a really bad prison, with a sound guy, do you want to go? And I love that as much or more. And that's the majority of what we do today. That's yeah. kind of my job now. Yeah. And then occasionally, these guys, this is half of our normal crew, we go out in the shadows and do this stuff. So I still get to scratch my itch musically. Yeah, yeah. So you go out and you do gigs, and it's like... And so this this is unusual, right? An audience of people who are not in, like, jumpsuits and who are... Yeah. Serious, I'm not trying to be cute. Like, they, they normally just play in... Do you ever do... Do you, ever, you guys ever do gigs no. at a bar or any, any... Like, a normal place in Nashville? Never. Because, it's, I mean, you heard. This is, um, this is a tricky body of music. I woke up this morning with so much anxiety, not because it's you, because I don't know how to play outside of a prison anymore. We're not looking for a record deal, man. Yeah, yeah. We're just trying to go into concrete rooms and offer people hope. That's what I learned how to do. Yeah. yeah. You know, we didn't mention this in the first service, but something that landed on me when I saw it in the video, a phrase that I had never heard before until I heard it via Send Musicians, the phrase, a two-word phrase, prison hospice. Yeah. It had just never occurred to me that that was a thing. But it's a thing. So if you get sick while you're serving out your sentence, you can end up in hospice and in prison, which is to say, you're going to die in here. Yeah. Like, you're going to die in here. Yeah. I, just talk for a minute about what you say to people in that moment because as a pastor I don't know what I'd come up with well it's as bad as it sounds it's like another level of hell right but it's also amazing so in our 14 plus years of doing this we've learned a lot of things that we're not going to do twice we started a school we've we've done great things and it's been amazing but one of the things I did at one point I considered being a chaplain so I got a job as a volunteer assistant chaplain, and I was assigned in Nashville to the hospice block. I, like Birch said, didn't even know that existed. A prison chaplain. 
well, yeah, I mean, I, I, no, that's not going to be my calling in life. But I knew one. And he's like, come on. And I went. And I'm like, no, nope, I ain't doing this in my life. But every day he would send me, when we were off the road, to the block where you've got three to five days left. And I would take care of prayer requests and getting people in touch with their families. And it was insane. And no one goes there. It's difficult to get in. Most every state has one of these facilities. You're doing your time, and let's per se you get cancer, you'll go there. And it blew my mind. Yeah. It blew my mind. So we, as a team, in the shadows, a few of us do this for death row and hospice. But yeah, there's a lot of conversations around that. And I would say spiritually, some of the darkest moments I've seen or felt were up in those places. Yeah. So, of course, the fighter in me was like, yo, we got to go back. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't like, I, I just don't, I don't have any vocabulary for that. I don't have any words for that. I don't, I wouldn't even know where to begin in that. But I love that you guys are there. I love that you're going into that place and that you're bringing these words into that, into places like that. And I love that somehow in a strange convoluted way, or maybe not so convoluted, but in a, in a really, uh, a direct line, our church got to play a small part in that. We'll like we, we get to play a part in this because you're, because your generosity is being forwarded right through to the, to this work, um, which is amazing. Okay. So let's get back to the narrative. You've got a few years of you're going into prisons with your piano. Then there's some guys joining you. Then you start putting other artists together and it, it scales that way for a while. I know I'm, I'm paraphrasing a lot, but then COVID hits and your ministry is based entirely on access to go into the places and eye to eye with these people. And then COVID hits and access just bye-bye. Like there's no more access. There's no more going in. There's nothing. What happened to send musicians? Because I know what happened to it as a church. You know, we couldn't meet. And I spent five, five, six months, whatever it was, preaching into a camera lens, which was awful. It was terrible. You know, these people barely laugh when I tell a joke. The camera never laughs. It's like quiet. It's nothing. So... Like, no contact is very difficult for a pastor, probably increasingly so for your ministry. Talk a little bit about what happened embedded within COVID. So we all have a COVID story. I'm not looking for sympathy, but we obviously, as Bert said, didn't have access. What are we going to do? We had events lined up, and what we decided to do, the short version, is we have a travel budget that we can use every year for driving and flights and lodging. And I want to preface by saying um, we are a boutique nonprofit. We're not a Walmart of nonprofits. We just go at the pace that God allows us to go. So we stood around and said, what if we used our travel budget to buy cameras? A lot of people bought cameras during COVID. And we got all the people that had had bookings in our office in Nashville, this little warehouse, and we filmed it. And then we gave it to the prisons. During COVID, depending on the budget of the facility or the state, they started going to tablets. And they have TVs in the chow halls and program rooms. And we just started giving them episodes. And it, that was, for us, it traveled like wildfire. And it hasn't stopped since. Yeah. So that's part of you guys. You know, you say that you can like, oh, we help us send musicians. Yo. <laughs> Yes, you do. And it goes now all into these facilities all around the country. Okay, so COVID, but that, I mean, initially, I'm guessing, really discouraging. Like, what are we going to do? Our whole model is toast now. 
And, okay, so before COVID, I know you probably don't have an exact number, but ballpark, what would you say the reach of Send Musicians was annually? Like, how many people were you able to interact with via your ministry in, in prisons over a course of a year? So let's say we did 50 to 80 live events, and there were 300 people in the room. Each time. Each time. So you do the math. So it's thousands. The number is thousands of people. Sure. Okay. That's amazing. It's great. Incredible. What's the reach now that you're... So if you caught it, Nathan has a warehouse that he sort of lives in and also has made into a studio. And they're filming these artists. And and I'm going to get this right. This stuff goes on tablets, right? These guys don't have YouTube. Right. Right? So they're... It's specially programmed stuff that comes to their TVs and their tablets through the prison system. It's, you know, y'all, it's like intranet. It's in-house internet. So like you check into a hotel maybe and it's like, hi, you know. It's, so basically these tablets have spiritual programming, educational programming, send musicians episodes. Incredible. So what's now that you started filming this content... These, and these artists are coming in, they're singing songs, and the artists are talking, right? They're, they're, they're telling stories it's crucial. To, the, to, to the camera. Talk a little bit about, about that. You know, it's difficult for us. We get submissions, and I love that every artist wants to do this. We have a limited budget, and we got to work with what we have. So what these artists have to say is as important, if not more important, than their music. So that's a small window. Again, like Bert said, we 50 to 80 events a year, 300 inmates in the room. Now we record this with them talking, kind of like Bert's experience during COVID. And now our baseline, it reaches 125,000 a month. You reach it, I mean. Yeah. And I know you're not much of a name dropper, but there are some heavy hitters involved in this. Like you've had some, some serious you know, some, some serious artists come through. Yeah, like artists that sell out big venues. And, and right. I love this. <laughs> we take them into these facilities and nobody knows who they are. It's awesome. It's <laughs> yeah. very humbling. And I'm like, man, I hope your stories work because they don't care that you're famous. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's what's up. Um, incredible. Just, just absolutely phenomenal. Um, what is it, ballpark figure, when you're doing a prison event... What ballpark what it costs. You're based in Nashville. Let's say you're coming to Rikers Island or you're going to LA County Prison or you're doing something like that. What does a day what does a day cost to go do that for you? All right. It takes twelve guys to pull this off. You got a film crew, an audio crew, a stage crew, then you got the artists. Front to back, if we come into a prison, we're there all day, we record it, film it, and then we go into post production, we can do an entire episode for 7,500 bucks, it goes to reach 125,000. Now, the old days cost about 2,500. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying 7,500 is, you know, that's expensive, but there are people in the film industry that do the math and say you shouldn't be able to do that for less than 20. I can't figure out how you could do it. You got a top line artist coming in. I mean, to interrupt you, but you got a big name artist coming in. You're traveling, filming on, filming on, on site and yeah. getting it done and making this package thing that goes out to a 125,000 people for $7,500. That sounds like a pretty like, good deal and a tight budget and a lot happening. Here's one of the things or two things I love about Send Musicians in Prison. Every guy on the crew is a pro. They travel with other artists, make movies. They cut their day rate in half. And there's never, <clears throat> excuse me, 
There's never been an artist that's been paid. They all put skin in the game. That's how we do it. Yeah, these artists come in for free. And they pay their own band. So everybody's got skin in the game. Yeah. We don't own it. There is no ownership. The prison cannot charge the inmate. It just floats around in the ether, spreading the gospel. Come on. (laughs) Might I just add one thing? It's a horrible business model, but I love it (laughs) (laughs) because it requires exceptional amounts of faith that I don't have. Yeah. Yeah. Not a good business model. I get that. All right. Let me ask a question. When I preach, I'm always looking out and thinking, you know, what people are, 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 I'm wondering what people are thinking. Um, There's got to be at least one person in this room who is thinking, these people are criminals. Like I was the victim of a crime, perhaps you were, you know, like maybe you're thinking, hey, I, I know somebody who was killed in a, in a drunk driving accident and that guy's in prison or, or I, was, I was there and I was traumatized by an armed robbery or some other crime and that person's in prison today. Why should we go do something nice for prisoners? Why should we go, you know, why, why should we, do, there's got to be somebody out there to whom that thought has occurred. What would you say if somebody, like you walk out in the hallway later and somebody puts their finger in your face and, and says that to you? That has happened to me. That's happened to you? Many times. Okay. First thing I would say is, if that's you, I'm so... Mm. I'm very sorry that that's happening. Um, And we stand with victim advocacy groups, but we can't be in every lane. We, We bring hope with music and stories that point up the hill at that cross. That's our lane. And there needs to be people there for those who have been hurt. All that being said, and this isn't arrogance, I didn't write the Bible. I didn't write it. I argue about it all the time, but I didn't write it. And I believe part of my faith says, go there. So, That is a gentle response, but I am not here to be pompous about Mm. anyone who's on the opposite end of what we do. Yeah. There's a place that, there's another lane there to to love well. Mm. You know? So I want to read you guys some verses. This is uh, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger. And you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? 
And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help? And he will answer, I will tell you, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. Then they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. These are hard verses. This is tough stuff. But these are the words of Jesus Christ. And yeah, I mean, I thought about the answer that I would give if I were on the working end of that question. And it it goes a little bit like, well, it's something you say a lot. Like one of the things I've loved is that our ministries, I know you've influenced me in the way I think. And one of the things I say all the time to our congregation, which I saw in your video, you are not defined by your worst moments. You're not defined by your worst moments. Neither are those on the other side of, the, of, of the, the correction system. And dare I say, may I be so bold as to suggest that perhaps some of us may be behind bars or would have done time at some point in our life, except that we were lucky. Some of us would have a criminal record, except we didn't get caught. And that's real talk. We're all of us broken. We're all of us addicts. We're all of us in need of God's grace and mercy. And we are not defined by our worst moments. And I love that this ministry is taking that thing. That are, it's almost like a blending of our DNA in some way. Like we both, we're both saying the same things. You're preaching that to, to people in you know, in, in prison. And, well, this could be a whole other sermon and we're running out of time, but you could be in prison and free and you could be free and be in prison, yeah? Yeah, they talk about it all the time. It's, it's very true. It's very true. It's very true. I think what's important, I have to simplify this a lot. Like, all of us, when things get loud, what's the simple truth? Keep the main thing the main thing. We grow where we are loved. So give that away. It's good. It's good. Love it. All right, last, uh, last question before we move into our next, uh, our, our, what we're doing next. Um, this is hard work. It's stressful. You know, I know your blood pressure's up. I know, I know because we've been on the phone with each other. We've spent enough nights on each other's couches and, and been friends long enough to walk through. Like, I know you're not making a ton of money doing this. Why do you keep doing this? Well, one, because I'm crazy. <laughs> I've accepted that in therapy. It just is what it is. Um, I love adventure. Uh, I love to see how faith plays out. I love it. I think for me to walk... In my faith, I want to see it real. 
I can only hear so many songs about it. Uh, Bert, sometimes I don't know why any of us keep going. You gotta find that little whisper, you know? I think there are people that say it better than me, you know, but for today, in this moment, that's what I know. Cool. Yeah. All right, we got a little video to show you guys as we wrap up that'll help you understand a little bit more about what these guys do. So we're going to lower the lights. Oh, one thing, I, 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 I almost forgot to say this last service, and I need to hit you with it now. These guys are coming back tonight to do a full concert. So tonight at 7 p.m., make sure you're back here. With that, we're going to lower the lights, take a look at, uh, at this video clip. Yeah. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word True North to 77977 on your cell phone and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.